Well, good morning, everyone. Good to see you here, and great to be in Launceston, Tasmania. Has to be Australia's best-kept secret, yes? You seem pretty okay about keeping it a secret. I visited a little town in Montana in March called Great Falls, and their little bumper sticker is, Welcome to Montana, there's room in my Wyoming, which is kind of like, don't stay, you know? Um, Launceston, what a great place, and such a privilege to be here at Door of Hope and see some people I've known over the years, including Craig and Joy and Steve and Karen, as well as Andrew and Anne and many others, and getting to meet many new people. What a great church! I wasn't talking about the building, which is amazing. I was talking about you. Give you one more chance. What a great church. Come on, the best church should be the one you go to, right? Uh, But what an amazing story, just as Steve was walking me a long walk through the facility yesterday, and just to hear the amazing history and heritage you have over 130 plus years. Who were here? Anyone here at the beginning? No, no, no. (laughs) Amazing history, amazing heritage, building on the generations that have gone before, but exciting what's happening today. You really are being a door of hope uh, here in Launceston and beyond, and so well done, church. Uh, Really great to see God doing so many good things through you and the great future that you have together. Uh, Tonight, as Ben mentioned, we're doing a series on the parables, which are stories that Jesus told to help us understand what God is like and what the kingdom is like. So tonight I'm looking at the parable of the wheat and the weeds, which is a very intriguing parable. So um, come and visit and be a part of tonight if you're able to. This morning, as Cam mentioned, we're talking about Psalms today. And so we're up to Psalm chapter 4 this morning. And so we're going to read that from the New International Version, actually the New Living Translation. So let's listen as I read Psalm 4 to you. For the choir director, a Psalm of David to be accompanied by stringed instruments. Answer me when I call to you. O God who declares me innocent, for the God of my righteousness, free me from my troubles. Another translation says, give me relief from my distress. Have mercy on me and hear my prayer. How long will you people ruin my reputation? How long will you make groundless accusations? How long will you continue your lies? Interlude or sila, which means pause, reflect, think about it. You can be sure of this, the Lord sets apart the godly for himself. The Lord will answer when I call to him. Don't sin by letting anger control you. Think about it overnight and remain silent. Interlude. Offer sacrifices in the right spirit and trust the Lord. Many people say, who will show us better times? Let your face smile shine on us, Lord. You have given me greater joy than those who have abundant harvests of grain and new wine. In peace I will Lie down and sleep, for you alone, O Lord, will keep me safe. Let's pray. 
Father God, thank you for the psalm, this collection of songs written thousands of years ago that provide hope and comfort to millions of people and inspiration for us to give you our highest praise. I don't know everyone in the room today, but you do, and so I pray that you, with the help of your Holy Spirit who inspired these words, would speak through me and speak to every person here today, those watching online, that we would have a sense of you encouraging us, lifting us, transforming us, changing us to be all that you want us to be. We ask this today in Jesus' name, and everyone who's awake said amen. 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 The book of Psalms, what an amazing part of the Bible, one of the most popular sections of the scriptures. Uh, There are many different kinds or types or categories of psalms. Three of the most popular are, number one, praise psalms. These are psalms that the writer is exhorting people to praise God for his mighty acts, for his character, for his attributes, make a noise, shout, clap, dance, and it's just this cacophony of celebration and joy. There's no mention of challenges or problems in life. It's all happy and blessed. Praise psalms. There's lots of them. Uh, way over the other end, there's a bunch of psalms that are called lament psalms. In the lament psalms, there's not a lot of praise happening. Stuff isn't going too well. Life is falling apart. And the author is crying out to God, where are you? Why are you silent? Why aren't you acting? And these psalms are filled with all kinds of emotions, sadness, anxiety, as you heard last week. Sometimes even anger, disappointment. These are psalms of lament. And there's a lot of them. We don't sing many of them, but there's a lot of them in the psalms. In between, there's a third major category called psalms of thanksgiving. And Psalms of Thanksgiving are very aware of life's challenges, but God's come through. God's answered. God's shown up. And so in these Psalms, uh, there's a thanksgiving to God for getting me out of a rock and a hard place, for coming through, for answering me in my distress. And so there are three of the major categories of Psalms, praise Psalms, lament Psalms, and thanksgiving Psalms. Psalms 4 is kind of a prayer of lament. There's this plea for deliverance. There's a a prayer for rescue, a rebuke of the enemy, an encouragement to the righteous, and it finishes with an expression of confidence in the character of God that He will hear us. He will help us to sleep in safety. It exhorts us to trust in God when things aren't going too well in our life and says that we can have joy, we can sleep in safety, even in the midst of difficult circumstances. Psalm 4 is often seen as an evening prayer to be prayed in the evening, where Psalm 3, the preceding psalm, is a morning prayer. Uh, We could today approach this many ways. We could go line by line and unpack the words and the phrases, but I thought what we'd do today is just pick out the theme or one of the themes of this psalm, and that is learning to pray our worry, learning to pray our worry. Us Aussies have many little phrases. One of them is, no worries. Ever said that to someone? No worries. No worries, mate. But isn't it funny, although we say no worries, we actually have a lot of worries. I mean, you just look at the news, listen to the conversations. There's so many things to worry about, whether it's the weather or politics. How long will Prime Minister Scott Morrison be in? What's Donald Trump going to do next? You know, we worry about the economy, the threat of terrorism, the environment, 
our finances, our health, family, kids, you know, work. There's just so many things to worry about, and I won't go on because I don't want to depress you. But worry kind of makes us feel worse, and then the worse we feel, the more we worry, and it's this downward spiral, and before we know it, we're in this prison of worry. And uh, this psalm has some insights in helping us break free, helping us to stop worry. And I just want to draw a couple out today as well as share with you some of my own experience in learning to pray our worries. And so I'm going to give you, if you're taking notes, the title of the message is Praying My Worry. And I just want to give you a, little, a few little thoughts around the acronym of STOP, S-T-O-P, how to stop worrying. Okay, letter S, first insight here, is to specify your worries. It's a good exercise sometimes just to stop and say, what am I worried about? See, sometimes worry can be this vague cloud over our head. And if it will just specify, get it out of our head and go, what am I worried about? The psalmist does this. I mean, we, we don't know the details of what crisis the author of this psalm is in, but right away they're feeling distressed. There's accusations coming at them. People are trying to ruin their reputation. There's anxiety at night. There's some anger that they're feeling, but they're going, okay, I'm just going to sleep on it. Uh, and so we get some of the details of how they're feeling. And so one of the ways to stop worrying is just to start by specifying your worries. What are you worried about? When Jesus taught on worry in Matthew 6, he says, some of you are worried about your clothing. What are you going to wear? What are you going to eat about tomorrow? They were common worries. Back in the first century, what are you worrying about today? Maybe this afternoon, get a piece of paper out and write a list. What are you worried about? I read a research report about worry a few years ago, and here were the results of this research. 40% of what we worry about will never happen. 30% of what people worry about is in the past. It's already happened. We can do nothing about it. 12% of our worries are about our health, and how many know worry actually makes your health worse? 8% of our worries, sorry, another 10% are minor or petty, they're insignificant. Only 8%, according to research, of what we worry about is substantial, and half of that, another 4%, is beyond our control. So research tells us that 96% of what we worry about is really not worth worrying about. It's a waste of time and energy. You ever been shopping and got a trolley with one wheel that didn't work? Come on. How does that feel? I mean, it's annoying, it's draining, it's squealing, you're squeaking, everything's difficult. You know, one negative emotion is like that on the inside of you. Worry is like that. It just saps your energy, it drains you. And so 96% of worry, it's actually a waste of time. And so it actually helps to be specific. What am I worried about? Letter T is look at your list and take action on your worries. As you look at your list, ask yourself, can I do anything about this? When you turn your worries into action, when you turn your problems into solution, you actually crowd out your worries by working on that particular worry. In fact, worry can be useful if it gets your attention. Simple example, maybe after church today, you're driving home, and suddenly the red fuel light comes on on your dashboard. Don't get the hammer out and smash it and go, I rebuke you, you negative thing in Jesus' name. <laughs> no, the red light is your friend. 
It's getting your attention. Something needs uh, to happen. And so don't start worrying, oh no, we're going to run out of petrol. Oh no, I'm going to be late. Oh no, I'm going to have to walk home. No, no. Turn your worry into an action. Turn into the petrol station, open the fuel cap, fill up the petrol tank, and your worry will disappear. I've come all the way from Melbourne to tell you to fill your petrol tank when it's empty. Steve, who is this guy? Now, we laugh, but imagine if we did that with every worry that we have, if we turned it into an action. Maybe tomorrow you go to work and you're walking down the hallway and someone you know well walks by you and doesn't even say hello. You can spend the whole day worrying about what they're thinking about you. Maybe they don't like me anymore. Maybe they're gossiping against me. Maybe I said, we have incredibly creative imaginations. Don't waste all that energy. Turn your worry into an action. Hey, John, you seemed a little quiet. Oh, oh, your mother's not well. Often it's not even about us. Maybe you're a connect group. Where's all our connect group leaders here today? Maybe someone from your connect group you haven't seen for three weeks. You can start worrying. Maybe Mary's left my group. Maybe she's gone to another group. Maybe she doesn't love Jesus. Maybe she's left the church. We have unbelievable imaginations. No, turn your worry into an action. Hey, Mary, oh, you've been out of town. Often it's something totally different than what we've imagined. And so as you look at your list of worries, take action on your worries. Maybe you had a conflict with somebody, a little intense fellowship. And it hasn't been resolved. Well, take action. Jesus said, when your brother or sister offends you, go. Everyone say, go. Come on, everyone say, go. If you look at the original meaning of the Greek word go, right back in the original, go means go. It's really deep for Sunday morning. You're writing that down. It doesn't mean pass it on. doesn't mean pray. doesn't mean share. It means go. It's the most disobeyed commandment of Jesus. See, some of you have unresolved conflicts, and there many problems are a decision waiting to happen. We need to go and do our best to sort it out. And if we don't get someone else involved, do our best. And so as you look at all of your worries, ask yourself, can I do something about it? Letter O is to offer a prayer to God. So specify your worries. What am I worried about? T, take action on your worries. And then letter O, offer a prayer. This psalm is a prayer to God. In this psalm, the writer is taking his or her worries and they've turned it into a prayer. And I I love this. Offer a prayer to God. As we look at the broader biblical story, the Apostle Paul grew up as a Jewish boy. And as a Jewish boy, he would have read these psalms, probably memorized many of them. And he learned to offer a prayer to God. In fact, once when he was in prison for no fault of his own, he wrote a letter to some people in a city called Philippi. And he said this, Philippians 6, verse 6 to 7, do not be anxious. Don't worry about anything. But in every situation, present your requests to God by prayer and petition. And the peace of God, which transcends all understanding, will Guard your hearts and mind. What does Paul say? Don't worry. Instead of worrying, pray. 
offer a prayer to God. I love the Message Bible. Eugene Peterson translates it this way. Don't fret or worry. Instead of worrying, pray. Let petitions and praises shape your worries into prayer. Letting God know your concerns. Before you know it, a sense of God's wholeness, everything coming together for good, will come and settle you down. It's wonderful what happens when Christ displaces worry at the center of your life. I love that phrase, shape your worries into prayers. Would you say that with me? One more time. Shape your worries into prayers. So, so what am I worried about? Get it out, get a list. Uh, can I do anything about this? Take action. But let us uh, offer a prayer to God. Shape your worries into prayers. Uh, uh, in 2007, our family went through a fair amount of trauma in a very short time. Um, a beautiful German shepherd passed away. Uh, Nicole's mum passed away very suddenly. She'd been misdiagnosed as having thyroid, lost a lot of weight, and then we found out she had advanced bowel and stomach cancer. Within, within three weeks, she was gone, about 10 weeks, 10 days before Christmas. So a lot of trauma. And then on New Year's Day, um, our kids had been out with some friends down by the beach, seeing the New Year in, and 5 a.m. in the morning, my mobile phone was ringing and woke me up startled and a voice said is your son's name Josiah and I said yes he says you need to get here immediately and so we threw our clothes on and went down and our three kids had been at this uh, uh, New Year's party with some other kids from their youth group and they decided they'd go see the sunrise they'd been up all night uh, went to see the sunrise my son Josiah uh, was driving hadn't been drinking uh, second son in the front with his feet up on the dashboard, a daughter in the back and two other friends in the back, and my son fell asleep at the wheel and jackknifed with another car. And so we came to this intersection and it was like a bomb scene. There were ambulances everywhere. Uh, police said one in a million walked out of an accident like that. Uh, they all ended up in hospital and so that New Year's Day, we had three of our kids in the emergency ward, uh, broken teeth, and my second son had a broken vertebrae, was in a brace for six months, and stitches, and look, it was just, it was a nightmare. We're, we're glad they all lived, because that's not always the result of an accident like that. And so it was a very traumatic start to the year, and a very traumatic uh, month or so for our family. You know, I, I found, thankfully, we worked through that, and they've all recovered and doing well. But I found that anytime we're having a family event, and if the kids were a little late, I found it was a trigger for worry for me. And so, you know, we're at lunch at one, and it's 1.30, they're not there, and, and I'm starting to imagine another accident. Or we'd be up in Uchuka on the river, and the kids would be off water skiing, and we'd be there with friends hanging out, and I'd just be watching for the boat to come. And when the boat came around the corner, I'd relax. So I found I started to worry about my children, anytime they were late. And, and I, I never forget reading this verse, shape your worries into prayers. And so I started to do that. When our kids were running late, just silent in my head, I'd be going, instead of worrying, I'd go, God, thank you for our children. You gave them to us. They're a gift from you. You know where they are today. Would you watch over them? Would you protect them? You know what? As I started to do this in every area of my life, I found myself praying a lot more <laughs> and worrying a lot less. 
Imagine if every worry that came to us, oh, they're laying off people at your work, you start worrying. No, no, thank you, God, you gave me this job. You're my provider. You're my source. Uh, You're worried about your health. Thank you, God, you are my strength. Imagine if we took every worry and started to pray. First of all, the enemy would stop sending worry because all we do is pray, and we would pray a lot more. And so this psalm is teaching us Not that you'll never worry, not that you'll never have an anxious thought, but imagine if you could take that worry and shape it into a prayer. What a powerful uh, ritual we can get into our daily life. And then letter P is to place your trust in God. How do we stop worrying? Specify those worries, take action on what you can do stuff about, offer a prayer But finally, place your trust in God. Verse 5 in the psalm said, Offer sacrifices in the right spirit and trust. Everyone say, trust. Trust the Lord. Some of the worries on your list, I guarantee, will be beyond your control. They're things you can't do something about. And so we have to learn to accept uncertainty in life. Life is uncertain. It's not subject to luck, fate, or chance, but it's uncertain. And so this is where the psalmist not only prayed, but declared, God, I'm going to trust you in the areas I don't have control. To trust in God means to have a belief that ultimately God is sovereign. Ultimately, God is at work. Um, Again, the Apostle Paul He had plenty of stuff to worry about. In fact, if you're ever having a bad day, just get a piece of paper, draw a line down the middle, list all your worries, and then list everything Paul went through. And without minimizing your worries, you'll be feeling better already. I mean, he was shipwrecked a couple of times. He was in prison for years for stuff he didn't do. He had friends desert him. He was stoned with real stones. (laughs) You just look at everything he went through, and yet he was able to not come under this prison of worry. And I believe it's because he learned, like the psalmist, to trust. This well-known verse, Romans 8, 28, and we know that God causes everything to work together for the good of those who love God and are called according to his purpose. Trust is a belief that God is causing everything to work together for the good of those who love God and are called according to his purpose. Notice what it does not say. It does not say God causes all things. There are other forces at work in the world. You and I make decisions, other people make decisions. It does not say God causes all things. It also doesn't say all things are good. Sickness is not good. A car accident is not good. Divorce is not a good thing to have to go through. Death is not a good. It does not say all things are good. It also doesn't say all things have a happy ending. But what it does say is God causes all things, the good, the bad, the ugly, the bitter, the sweet, the joyful, the painful. He causes all things to work together for an ultimate good. Steve mentioned that I like a bit of cooking, and one of my favorite recipes is a Thai curry. Anyone like curry in the room today? I I do this Thai curry, and my wife's an amazing cook. She doesn't use recipe books. She just throws stuff together, and it's amazing, but she can never repeat it. Uh, I follow the recipe book uh, very exactly. And it's interesting, if you ever cooked a, a Thai curry, there's certain ingredients you would never want by themselves. Anyone have ever had a glass of fish sauce just to kind of kick off the meal? 
Anyone had a tablespoon of chili flakes? There's certain ingredients that by themselves are distasteful. But isn't it amazing when you mix it all together, this phenomenal flavor that comes out? And aren't our lives a lot like that? We went around the room today and said, have you ever been through a painful situation? We'd be here a while. Because we've all been through painful moments that were distasteful, that were unpleasant, that we would not want to experience again. But isn't it amazing that we have a God that can take all the experiences of our life and make something beautiful of our life? This is the story of Joseph. He was betrayed by his brothers. He had great dreams. He ended up in a pit. He was betrayed by his brothers, sold into Egypt, spent 13 long years in a prison for crimes he never committed. One day he was promoted, became number two next to the Pharaoh, and he was reunited with those same brothers who betrayed him. And in Genesis 50, verse 20, he says one of the most powerful statements. He said, you meant it for evil. He did not say it didn't matter, it didn't hurt, it doesn't. He says, you meant it for evil. It was wrong, it was painful. But he says, but God used it for good. That's an unbelievable statement to be able to reframe the narrative of our life. See, uh, your life is not so much what has happened to you as the story you're telling about what has happened to you. And Joseph learned to retell his story from a redemptive perspective. He didn't ignore the painful experiences, but he saw God at work, even in those painful moments, bringing about something good. There's different ways to see the universe. Uh, I did a theology class on providence many years ago with Graham Cole, and uh, I'll never forget a musical example he shared about how to see the world. And uh, those of you who like music might enjoy this. Some people see the world like a classical orchestra. Anyone like classical music here today? Three people, four, five. In classical music, everything's been predetermined. The composer has written the whole score. If you're a musician in a classical uh, orchestra, you have no freedom. You've already got a role to play in front of you, all the notes, the time signature, the tempo, the phrasing. It's all there, and we're all just playing out something that's already been decided for us. Some people see the world like that. It's called determinism. These people believe we don't have free will. God's already decided what's going to happen. If something happened, it must have been God's will because God's in control. It's an act of God. That's one view of the world. There's another musical genre, complete extreme. It's called a jam session. Anyone know what a jam session is? In a jam session, there's no music, there's no order. Everyone makes a joyful noise. And so the guitarist is playing, the drummer's playing, saxophone, key player. It's a cacophony of sound and activity. There's no script. There's no key signature. It's just do your own thing. Some people think the world's a bit like that. There's no plan. There's no order. It's just uh, live as you feel. If it feels good, do it. It's called existentialism. In between, there's another genre. It's called jazz. Anyone here like jazz? Oh, few people just felt the anointing right there. In a jazz band, we have something really unique happening. See, in a jazz band, there is a structure. There's a chord sequence. The music is going somewhere. But on top of that, there's something called improvisation. We make 
a sound, a noise, play a phrase, and then someone else plays, and we interact, and there's this freedom and unpredictability. Sometimes there's actually dissonance and discord, but amongst all of that improvisation and free will, the music's actually going somewhere. Could I suggest to you that the world's a little bit more like a jazz band than a classical orchestra or a dance orchestra? See, you and I have freedom. We make choices. Other people make choices. Sometimes there's discord. Sometimes there's dissonance. Sometimes we're not living in harmony. But despite all of that uh, cacophony of sound, there's something called providence. The story of your life is going somewhere. And it's part of the bigger story of this community and of what God's doing in the world and the story of history. Providence means God is at work even in the free choices, even the mistakes, even the failures of our life. I'll tell you what, I can trust a God like that. I can trust a God like that who can use my mistakes, my failures, my, the, the pains I go through for some ultimate purpose. And so the psalmist is saying, trust. Offer sacrifices in the right spirit, verse 5, and trust in the Lord. And so as we bring our worries and shape them into prayers, ultimately some of the things on your list you won't be able to do much about. And so we choose to trust in God. And so as we kind of wrap up this homily on praying your worry, there's, there's two things you should never worry about. If, if you get, forget everything else, just get this little conclusion. There's two things you should never worry about. Number one, don't worry about things you can do something about. Do something about them. Number two, don't worry about things you can't do something about. Did you get that? Somebody get that after lunch. <laughs> the things you can't do something about shape into prayer and trust in God. What I really mean is don't worry about anything. Because the things you can do something about, go ahead and do something about it the things that are beyond your control, offer a prayer to God and place your trust in God. Why, why pray your worry? Why pray your worry? Well, as we've seen, worry doesn't help us. It's a waste of time and energy unless it's leading us to action. Uh, secondly, worry takes away our joy. Have you ever tried to worry and be joyful at the same time? Come on, let's try it together. A little exercise here. Come on, a bit of interactive preaching. I'll count to three. Let's worry and rejoice simultaneously. Ready? One, two, three. <laughs> it's kind of impossible. Have you noticed when you're worrying, there's no joy? And when you're joyful, there's no worry. What's amazing in this psalm is despite all the stresses this psalm writer's under, as they shape it into a prayer, as they trust in God, it finishes by going, I'm going to lay down and I'm going to sleep safely because God is with you. There's a joy in the end of this psalm. And see, when you let go of your worry, joy is there. That's another reason we should pray our worry. It's a waste of energy, but it takes our joy away. And finally, worry gets us focused on our own needs. Have you noticed that? <coughs> Excuse me. When you're worried, you're preoccupied with your own concerns, your own problems. Imagine an entire community of people here at Door of Hope leaving this meeting in a few moments free from worry. 
Imagine that. Imagine an entire community invading Launceston this week, free from worry, out of that prison in worry, and able to actually be a, a help, a door of hope for other people who are struggling with worry. See, if you're overwhelmed with your worry, you're not much use to anybody else. But when we process our worry, when we pray our worry, when we trust in God, and He fills us with joy, and joy is very different than happiness. Happiness is based on what's happening to you. Joy is independent of circumstances. Joy enables Paul in prison to say, rejoice. And I'll say it again. Come on, rejoice. Joy is not dependent on what's happening externally. Imagine us going out of here free from worry with God's joy in our heart, ready to be freedom fighters wherever we go, helping other people work through their worry. Everyone said amen. Amen. I hope today's message has been helpful for everybody, but I just kind of sense that maybe some of you, this is just what you needed to hear today. Maybe you came in and there's just a bunch of things that you're worried about. Maybe you're watching online and you're going, oh, God's speaking to me today. I'd love to pray for you as our worship team comes forward uh, just in our final few minutes. How many of you be honest, just lift your hand up, say, I got some worries. Come on, don't worry about lifting your hands. Just got some worries I just really need to give to God. Appreciate your honesty. Let's pray together this morning. <coughs> Father God, thank you for Psalm 4. These Psalms were written for our benefit. They were part of the community of faith thousands of years ago, but how much relevance do they have for us today? And so for everyone that lifted their hand up, honest enough to say, <laughs> I got some stuff I'm worrying about, Lord, today, as they take a bit of time just to specify those worries, as they look at that list and go, is there something I can take action on? Give them courage to do what they can do, to make that phone call, to make that decision, to get fixing that particular problem. Lord, give them courage to take action. And for all of us, teach us to offer a prayer for you. If we can learn one thing from this psalm, here's a person who's praying their worry. And every day as worry comes into our mind, we can't stop worrying thoughts just like we can't stop birds flying over our head, but we can stop them from making a nest in our hair. And so worry is going to come into our mind, but teach us to shape those worries into a prayer. And finally, teach us to trust in you. When things are beyond our control, when we're not sure what's happening or why, God, may we trust in your amazing providence, that you are a good God that's working everything together for our benefit in Jesus' name. Everyone said amen. Amen. As I said, that book Prison Break has a chapter on freedom from worry as well as lots of other areas. And so maybe that's a resource for you today. Don't rush to the car park, grab a coffee, share with someone. I'm going to be heading over to the bookshop. And so Sandra and her team will be able to help you with some of those resources. Love to say hello to you. Day. I've enjoyed myself. If you got nothing out of this, I preached myself happy today. I enjoyed it. It's been great to be with you. Turn to your neighbor and say, no worries. Come on, no worries. God bless you.